0: Today on Locked On Red Wings, we're going to finally wrap up the player predictions with the best of the rest. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for The Daily J over at WWJ News Radio, while Scotty is a freelance journalist for the Detroit News, as well as the host of Locked On Tigers. And today, guys, we're finally going to get around to finishing up those player predictions. We had a nice little uh, two-episode break from the player prediction thing, but we came back and we're coming back today. To wrap it up with the just cleaning up the guys we haven't gotten to. There's a couple of notable guys on there, but as well as a few guys that may or may not even see time at the NHL level this year. So it's not gonna we're just gonna kind of power through them and get you guys this episode, um, Scotty. To start things off with, I think we should
1: probably
0: start with. Um, you want to do? I'll let you pick. Oscar Sunquist or Giovanni Smith? Because out of the out well, all the rest Javonnie of the guys, going
1: last. So
0: okay, okay. Okay, we'll start with Oscar Sundquist then. Wow. All right. Uh, Oscar Sundquist with the Red Wings last season. He got traded at the trade deadline as part of that Nick Letty deal. Um, he had just uh, eight points, four goals, four assists, and 18 games played. He's a guy who can play center or wing down there in the bottom six. You know, when the Red Wings traded for him, Scotty, I didn't think much of him. Uh, I was more excited about Jake Wallman, but I think roles were a bit reversed in terms of the return on that trade on who was the better return down the line. Because Oscar Sundquist, I mean, granted a couple of them I think were empty net goals, but his production in 18 games were pretty good considering where he played in the lineup. And he's a big guy who had a pretty strong net front presence. I was fairly impressed with Oscar Sundquist uh, down the stretch there for the Red Wings.
1: Yeah, for sure. He, uh, you know, that was a, uh... Kind of a fun trade to break down right when it happened. And uh, it certainly was a, was a good move. And as the season went on, it, it, you know, not that superstar stealing or anything, but looked, you know, the rest of the season, like you said, had, had some pretty productive um, minutes for the Detroit Red Wings. I, I think that ideally he just fills a role that is uh, – Providing productive minutes whenever somebody in the bottom six gets scratched, whether that's healthy, whether they just need a night off, whether that's an injury, whatever. I think uh, I'm just really looking for him to not be a complete, I guess that's really dramatic, but uh, I'm just looking for him not to be a liability when, when somebody in the bottom six is scratched for a night.
0: No, I, I agree. I, I think he could be, I think he could be like an everyday fourth liner on the Red Wings. Maybe third liner, depending on you know who's injured, who's not. But because I think he he played well with the Red Wings down the stretch there, but I just don't expect too much out of him. I don't have my bar set incredibly high. I think his best case scenario for Oscar Swinquist is an everyday fourth liner, uh, either wing or center, probably wing. Uh, worst case scenario is wing. I mean, like his best case and worst case, I think he is. He's. It's a lot like the Adam Ernie conversation where he is what he is at this point. He's 28 years old. We know that he's a bottom six forward. I don't think he's going to be any worse than that, but I don't think he's going to be any better than that, which is why there's just not a whole lot to say about Oster Sundquist in the end. I think he is going to be a player that fans are going to like in the bottom six, but I don't think he's going to wow you so much that you're going to be fighting like, hey, you should get top six minutes. I just don't think that's in the cards for him.
1: For sure, yeah. No, I, best case is he he provides valuable minutes. Like I said, when somebody in the bottom six needs it, and if there's a long term injury, then best case would be, uh, he he's one of the guys we turn to to be an everydayer down there, and yeah. Worst case is he just doesn't finish the season at the NHL level.
0: Cool. Uh, then let's move on to Charo Hirose. This last season with the Red Wings, he uh, played 15 games. He had four points, one goal, three assists. Uh, 26 years old. Another guy, he's like a career AHLer, first call up kind of guy in baseball. You'd call that your quadruple A player. Uh, he can fill minutes on the bottom six if there's injuries, but most of the time he's going to spend time in Grand Rapids, where he honestly he plays really well at the Grand Rapids level. He does, but at the AHL level he does look a little bit at the NHL level he looks a little bit outmatched. So, ceiling, worst case scenario, I think it's worst case scenario. He doesn't see any NHL minutes. Best case scenario, he's a call up. He feels minutes not necessarily a liability
1: on the bottom six. Yeah, no, for sure. My, uh, one of my like best friends, um, is a massive <laughs> Tyrell Rosey fan. <laughs> and, um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's, I, I don't think this is a, a super wide range in best and worst case for him. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it's probably just, uh, Worst case scenario, like you said, would be that he plays the entire season in the A. Um, and, and even that, like I feel like worst isn't even like a word I want to use for him there. Like I don't think that's bad. Like th- no, that no, is no. you know what I mean? Like worst has such a negative connotation. Like I, I, I just it's it's not a it's not like a D Day scenario if he if that hap if he doesn't play a single minute at the NHL level this year. Um, honestly, that would mean that everyone stayed healthy. So, honestly, that would probably be viewed as a good thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think the at minimum, I guess I'll say you're not going to see him play at the NHL level, and that'll be kind of the floor. And then, yeah, the ceiling and and is that uh, he is one of the plays well enough in the A where he's one of the first guys that's called up when a roster spot does open, whether it's be injury or what. Um, and yeah, like you said, he, he's not a, he's not a liability out there, but, um, at the same time, he, I'm not gonna say that I expect him to take any more big leaps forward. There was a little bit there a couple of years ago where some people were still kind of hanging on hope to, you know, Hiroshi maybe taking some steps forward. And I think that ship has sailed again. Every team needs depth. NHL players, every team needs depth in their organization, uh, and he will certainly provide very valuable organizational depth that uh, that the Red Wings very much need, along with every other NHL team needs. So, um, not a I don't know. I just feel like worst has a maybe a too negative of a it connotation. Does, yeah. I, I I think he provides value. It's just not going to be playing you know twenty minutes a night at the NHL level. That's all.
0: I mean, he's an he's an undersized winger who went undrafted. The Red Wings end up signing him obviously as a unrestricted free agent out of, I think, the, what, Michigan State University? I can't quite remember. Yeah, that's
1: why my buddy's a big fan of him. (laughs) And and
0: so, like, again, it's, when we say best-case scenario and worst-case scenario, it's it's not necessarily a slight against the player. Best-case scenario for the Red Wings is that he doesn't see the NHL lineup, and that's not because he's, like, brutal or bad. It's just because that team is so much deeper. So if his best-case scenario comes to fruition, it means the worst-case scenario has happened for another player on this team that needed to not have a worst-case scenario. So, if he can continue to excel at the AHL level, like you said, then that's best-case scenario for the team, I feel. Now, yeah. if he if he somehow thrives at the AHL level and proves he desi- desi- deserves, rather, to be an NHL-caliber talent, all power to him. I, I'm rooting for the guy, but I just don't I don't see that in the cards for the Red Wings roster right now. But he is a guy that, if injuries do occur, or the worst-case scenario does occur with another player, he would be one of the first guys you look at to get called up and play minutes in the
1: NHL. Yeah. And it's important to know, too, he was uh, he was undrafted. So like the fact that he's even in that conversation, right, where he's led into a role where um, he's going to be, you know, first guy called upon or whatnot, like that's that's. He even with his limited role, he has probably given you more than you could expect out of a uh, out of an undrafted player. You know, he's he's one of the best players on the AHL team, and is one of the first guys called up, and that's needed in every organization. So, um, so yeah, that, that's that's probably where I, I don't think the ceiling and floor are too far apart for him, but uh, an, an important role nonetheless. All right.
0: Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about Jonathan Berggren and Stephen Comfort. But first, got to talk to you guys today about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to chicken check in on all your betting needs. Chicken? Fun, chicken. Chicken your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews of every news and <laughs> reviews of every news. Wow. Good job, Brian. You're killing it. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts they have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. Segment 2, Locked On Red Wings podcast. Uh, We're going to talk about Jonathan Bergeron now. Now, this is a player who's on the cusp of being an, ev- an everyday NHL player. You know, this past year, he spent his first year in North America. He uh, played with the Grand Rapids Griffins, played 70 games, had 64 points with 21 goals and 43 assists. He broke the rookie scoring record previously previously held by Timu Pulkkinen. Now, so, you know, everyone hold their breath. But that is something exciting to see. <laughs> the dog. This was a Grand Rapids team that was not a playoff team this year, and he excelled. And when we talked to Andrew Rinaldi, uh, previous, I think, right as the season was ending, and talk about the Grand Rapids Griffins, he, he said nothing but good things to say about uh, Jonathan Bergeron. So when talking about best case and worst case scenarios about Jonathan Bergeron, you know, in a vacuum, I think you could see Jonathan Bergeron being on this NHL roster. But once you look at now the competition that he has to compete with after all the signings that Steve Eiserman has made, now you start to question, well, can he make it? as a center or a winger on this team. And that's what he can play. He can play either center or right wing. Um, He is five foot 10 and he shoots left, which does is a little bit concerning uh, that he's so small, so small. I mean, the the bar for height is getting raised every single year. You 10 years ago, five foot 10 would have been fine, but now it's, if you're not six foot, you're too small. And he's just like, just barely on the cusp of six foot. This feels personal, man. Maybe a little, (laughs) Wingers, wingers can survive as being undersized more so than more so than center. So if he full time makes that transition to winger, he'll probably do better than center. And I'm probably microanalyzing his height. He's just two inches shy of center, six foot. But you know, when you're talking about best and worst case scenario, I mean, where does it lie with Jonathan Berger, and especially when considering all the influx of depth this team
1: now has? Well, I I think this is the most fascinating conversation of this of this group of players in this episode. Um. I, you know, it, it's really easy to just say, well, I mean, best case, right? If we're talking pure, like, best possible scenario, like, I, I guess I would say, what, by game 82, he's 3C? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that, like, best. If we're just going to talk strictly best, like, that's probably best. But realistically, I, I think that he. Man, I I go back and forth so much. If it was the same roster as last season, I would have considered it a failure if he wasn't on this team come opening night. Like I think that it probably would have been a necessity. But now, looking at how much more depth there is, uh, it, it's you know pr- pros and cons. I I guess for his specific scenario when that happens, because now I, I would imagine he's starting in the A now. Be after all the signings that we made and if he's not then he's certainly not getting consistent playing time right off the gate and so i guess i don't know like realistically best case is uh by like the halfway mark in the season he is getting consistent playing time at the nhl level and, and he crushes it that at the beginning part of the season and the a again and then he gets promoted and, and plays his way into consistent playing time, and he's outplaying someone enough to where we're confident giving him, even if it's like fourth-line winger minutes, I, I think that that's probably best case, is if by the end of the season uh, he, he is, or even by the, the by the meat of the season, he is getting consistent playing time. In worst case, uh, I mean, what, he, he stays... NEA for almost the entire season again. Like yeah, I mean, he's waivers I exempt, it, it, so it doesn't. I think really it's a matter. really interesting conversation.
0: Yeah, he's waivers exempt, so it doesn't. You can move him up and down <laughs> wherever right. you please without having to worry about him getting picked by another team. Yeah, it's this. I I really want this to be the season where Jonathan Bergeron makes a name for himself and breaks out and makes the NHL roster, but the depth makes it hard. So I mean, yeah, like you said, best case scenario in a dream world. Uh, you know, a fantasy land is that he takes that three C role right from Pew Suter and he's tearing it up down there, and then eventually his, he continues to grow and he takes over a top six role. But realistic best case scenario is he he you know is the heat on the heels of some of those bottom six wingers and forwards who aren't necessarily performing up the snuff. You know, Ie don't hate me, but Giovanni Smith, and maybe an Oscar Sundquist and Adam Ernie, those guys who whose I think Oscar Sundquist's position on the team is probably more solidified than Adam Ernie's, but maybe their positions are a little shaky, you know, and he's hot on their heels. He earned some playing time over them, but maybe doesn't play the full 82. If he can play 30, 40 games as a rookie, you know, that's a, that's a successful season, a best case scenario for Jonathan Bergeron, And he shows a lot of promise. Do I expect him to come into the league and then just tear it up and, you know, score 30 goals? Absolutely not. I'm not insane. But I think if he can play a handful more than that rookie nine in that 20 to 30 range, and show a lot of promise in that range then I would be very happy. Now worst case scenario is out of training camp he just doesn't look like he's NHL ready still so you give him another year at the AHL level to tear it up. My only concern is giving him too much AHL time where his development stagnates because you could see it and obviously Steve Eiserman and Chris Draper and Dan Cleary and all these guys are going to make the best decision available for this player. They make the best decision on hand for what's for his development. But I do cons- do get a cons- little bit concerned looking at how well he performed, even on as a bad Grand Rapids team last year, to see him perform at that level, to put him back in that level because I'm afraid of stagnation in his development because we've seen that out of players in the past. I mean, Thomas Tatar was over-ripened. I mean, he was visibly upset with the organization that he was still playing at the AHL level. Now, granted, Steve Eiserman is not Ken Holland. I doubt he's going to wait good, until man. Thomas Tatar is basically ready to leave the organization before he's going to be playing NHL Minutes but that, that does sit in the back of my mind if he's not ready at the NHL level about how well he's going to play at the AHL level, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and I, I mean, I, I trust this development staff and front office leaps and bounds more more than I really honestly ever have uh, for the, the developmental side of things. I mean, maybe one in well over a decade. Um, so I – I, I trust the team to make the right call, but in the same, you know, to, to, I guess, play devil's advocate to that point. Like there's also the head coach's job is to play the best 12 forwards every night. And if he is not one of the 12 best forwards on a night to night basis, what's more valuable riding pine or, or playing in a league that you clearly are too good for. And I, I guess maybe I don't know the answer to that maybe the practices and, and watching the gameplay is more valuable, but then you're just sitting there and then what you're, you're waiting for an injury to happen to get playing time. You're waiting for somebody to get healthy so you can play once a week. Like I, I'm just, I don't know. I, I I really don't know. I think, uh, he, he's kind of in this really weird in between space with this team. Um, and, I uh, I really, I don't know. I mean, if he, if he was ready, he'd be playing. Like I, I, I trust, I trust the front office and the coaching staff, but um, I, I think just to reiterate, like, I, I think that my best case would be, yeah, by the heart of the season, he's getting consistent playing time at of even if it's fourth line winger, I don't care. Like if he's getting consistent playing time by the heart of the season, that's considered a, a, a massive success for him. And yeah, worst case is he just is never able to find his way back onto the NHL roster.
0: Yep. Completely agree. Uh, Let's do real quick, just because these guys guys are going to be real easy to talk about. Um, Let's talk about Stephen Comfer and uh, Robert Mm Haig. I don't think we've done Haig yet. And uh, I I think these are going to be easy to talk about. One, Matt Luff is, or not Matt Luff, I'm sorry, he's later. Uh, Stephen Comfort is on the NHL roster at the moment, but. He's got a two-way contract, so I just don't see him sticking, especially with someone like... I, I. He didn't play in the NHL at all last year. He played in the KHL. and the season before that, he only played 40 games with the Boston Bruins before leaving for the KHL. He's signed to a two-way contract. He's currently signed to the NHL level, but he could easily be waived. He's not waiver exempt so he could get picked up. I don't see that happening. I, I just don't see him, even with Wallman and Pissick injured, I don't see him playing at the NHL level. I think his best-case scenario is like, called up if injury uh I see the same deal happening with Robert Haig um I, I just and Haig is currently signed to a minor league contract he's in the minors so I'm not I'm just not really all that concerned about those guys but they were new additions so I felt like kind of just throwing their names out there
1: for sure yeah no I mean Comfor is uh is uh first off Ann Arbor Michigan native but um he is you know like earlier we talked about um organizational depth and you know there, there's some forwards on the team that are going to be you know back and forth or like first call kind of guys and yeah you need that on the defensive end too so that's yeah
0: yeah absolutely um and then when we come back we'll talk about uh the rest best of the rest and then of course Giovanni Smith there's a few other players the red wings signed that we'll briefly mention but impact wise not going to be big but we'll talk about that when we come back segment 3 Segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Uh, let's clean up the rest of these. Uh, let's clean up the rest of these guys now. Just kind of knock them down. Uh, Matt Luff, Austin Zarnick, both guys that are signed to two-way deals. They're going to start in the minors. Both Fords, not really expecting a huge impact out of them. They're just, again, depth pieces. Grand Rapids depth pieces in case... Yeah, in case injuries yeah,
1: no, happen. Like th- there is there's something to be said for looking around and realizing that the organization appears to be making more of those moves than they have in like since the start of the rebuild, right? Like that's a good sign. That means winning is is a priority. That means that they're they're trying to win more games this year because uh, when, when you don't make those signings, then you just are like, okay, like the whoever we have in the a is fine, and that's you know whoever we have in grand rapids is fine and and that's who we will just go to to call to so the fact that we're making so many of these uh like two way signings or we have so many players that are you know waiver exempt or whatnot like the, the the fact that there is a plethora of uh of talent in. That kind of in between four a as we keep saying category um is is honestly like really cool and and good to see that means that they're not gonna they're not gonna be surprised and and knocked down on their butt when like if it, if an injury bug goes around the locker room this yeah. year, you know what I mean like that's not gonna be. Uh, something that they are not prepared for this season. Uh, That's obviously going to be a talent drop off. There always is when injuries happen, but they're going to have the depth to be able to to fill those holes at least.
0: I do need to correct myself though. I think I said Robert Hagan may have been on a two way contract. He's not. He's on a one way contract, but he'll probably. I be don't in remember. The Lions. I don't remember if I said it or remember, not. But all of a sudden, but... like it's one of those things where like I think I did it right, but in case I'm doubting, like I'm starting to doubt what I yeah, said. Yeah. So I'm just being being clear. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but like you said. It's just in the end, it's death pieces. Uh, Jesse Uki Nuora, Jesse Uki Nuora. I'm always gonna have to practice that. The goalie out of the out of Finland that they signed. Yeah, I think uh, I think you nailed it the second time though. I think I did. Uh, I think he's gonna be Grand Rapids goalie called up if injuries happen. I th- yeah, again,
1: last year we. I mean, we saw what happened when when injuries and or other scenarios caused you know a, a thinning goalie room to be thin, right? Like that's something that they are not going to allow happening again. And that's why they're going out and getting all these, these organizational depth pieces and not just going like, Oh yeah, we'll just take whoever's the starter in grand Rapids. Like that is the whole point of all these signings because, um, yeah, I mean, we all remember last year, especially again with those goalies specifically, um, and it can happen to any team at any time. So.
0: All right. That's, uh, Knocked them all out. Good stuff, Scotty. We got one more guy to talk about,
1: though. He's your dog. You're about to freak out? you're just going to end the show and not mention Giovanni Smith?
0: No, no. We're going to talk about Giovanni Smith now, the guy you wanted to save for last because he's your favorite. Uh, And as such, I will allow you to have the floor on him. So
1: best case scenario for Giovanni Smith is a heart trophy. (laughs) Okay, okay now. (laughs) No, like, so, so that's obviously that is that is uh, my favorite player on the wings I, I love Giovanni Smith to death um I, I think that best case scenario for him is probably he gets consistent enough offensively as to where uh, as said with a lot of these dudes right like this is really no different uh, no different conversation than a lot of other players but Giovanni brings that, you know, aggressor and um, enforcer role that, that, you know, he's been really the only one on the wings over the last, like, like five years. Have we had another one? You know what I mean? Like, it's just – and he hasn't been there all five years. I'm just saying, like, we haven't – had like, that's it, right? So, I think that if he can just get to a point where he is semi – consistent offensively and uh, does not feel like a liability offensively, he can be unbelievably valuable on the fourth line, even if it's a, well, it's going to be a fourth line winger kind of spot. I I think that there can be a lot of value that that can still be salvaged for him. Um, He just obviously got to stay healthy and his style of play. I know it's hard to do that, but that's definitely a top priority for him and then the other thing is just finding his niche offensively and and really being consistently good at it whether he wants to end up being a guy that's scoring like 12 goals a year from the fourth line or whether he wants to be like more of a facilitator and and really improves his um you know his assist numbers or something he's just with the direction the team is headed he needs to get more consistent offensively or else he's going to get left behind like a lot of teams that grow out of the rebuild. Right. Like players get every year more and more players get left behind from like the the bottom season. And um, so that's what he's going to have to do to prevent that from happening to him. And I know like he's a fan favorite and everybody loves him and, you know, he, he's the enforcer and, that, and that's great. But um, that's that's what's needed of him. He's he, so best case is he figures something out offensively to where he's, um, c- consistently good down there. And, and, you know, by the meet or, or end of the season, he's playing uh consistent fourth line winger minutes. And yeah, worst case would be they decide they've moved past the need for Giovanni Smith, uh, before the season even ends, I guess.
0: Yeah, so he's played. This is going into his third season getting NHL games. Uh, this last season was his first full season at the NHL level. He played forty six games, had seven points, four goals, three assists. Um, healthy scratch those other nights if he weren't if he sure. wasn't injured. So he was injured a little bit, but yes, he was healthy.
1: He there was there healthy is
0: sure. yeah, he, I remember. Yeah, he was. I'm trying to figure out the best way to phrase this. Because I agree with you that what he brings is important and a dying breed at the NHL. Like that enforcer mentality that I'm going to stand up for my teammates' mentality – is a very important thing that very they few players. Send on this team out there.
1: Remember the game Larkin got hit. Yep. And then the next line shift, he was on the first line because they wanted to send him out there with Larkin. Like that's you know what I mean? Like that's well, and that's, that's thing is
0: before Giovanni Smith, Larkin was standing up for himself and his teammates. And that's what I one, I respect the hell out of the fact that the captain is willing to do that, but you, you don't want your captain doing that. Your captain doesn't need to be in the box or suspended. That's why you have guys like Giovanni Smith. But if he's gonna have that role in the team, there are things that need to improve. Such as, you know, foot speed, hockey IQ, which at at times he has shown a little bit of hockey IQ, which I appreciate. What he does have is a will to fight, net front presence, and a wicked shot. He has a sneaky wicked shot. Mm -hmm. His wrister and his snapshot are actually very good, very hard, and very accurate. But. The problem is, is when he's not doing those things, he's not taking fights. He's hardly taking any shots, which he has a good shot. He needs to shoot the puck more. But it's also because he's not in position to take advantage of that. He's right. often getting himself out of position to take bad penalties or to get into fights that he will, unfortunately, not win. Um, and that doesn't always matter. Winning's not always he's the problem. He's never point. lost
1: a fight in my book, but continue. Right. Your point and remains.
0: My point remains is I, he has the makings of being a great enforcer on the team. He just needs to solidify those other things. Like he needs to be able to, it's timing. Really, what it comes down to, it all boils down to picking the right time to pick a fight. If you can choose the right time to take yourself out of the play and leave yourself out of the game for five minutes, then you're doing it right. But the problem is, is doing it at the wrong time. Now you're leaving your team shorthanded physically on the bench, maybe also on the ice. Some, you know, these fights usually even out person to person wise, but shorthanded on the bench at the very least. It all comes down to timing, because I think Giovanni Smith has the right tools to be an everyday player at the at the bottom six level, fourth line probably. It's just learning how to utilize them at the right time. That's really what it comes down to. So best case scenario, everything about him, those those raw that raw potential he has, he sharpens and he becomes an everyday player on the fourth line, everyday enforcer on that fourth line. Worst case scenario is a season like he has this year. It's another, he plays half the games, healthy scratch for the other half. And like you said, the team kind of grows out of him. So I like Giovanni Smith. I really like what he brings, which is why I'm kind of more anal on the things I like to, would like to see him do better. Because I think he has such an important dynamic with this team that you don't see a lot of NHL teams have anymore. Because the game's trying to grow past that. But I think it's important that they still have it, which is why I think he's important to the team if he can just grow with the team.
1: Yeah, I think that what you said there at the end is is, is spot on. He needs to – this team is growing, and he needs to continue to grow or else, like I said, he he will get left behind, absolutely. Because yeah.
0: because this team really needs a Giovanni Smith if they're going to compete at a high level. They really do. Uh,
1: all the great Red Wings teams in history have had <laughs> – you know what I mean? Have had an enforcer like that. And, you know, that's not to say that he's going to, you know, turn into – uh, top six person but like you know like that's uh that's a, a role that um also has always more. been around
0: he needs to shoot the puck more
1: yeah he, he had a couple of really nice goals man we and that's the thing is
0: i'm gonna look it up right now i'm doing this live guys so uh bear with me uh Giovanni smith is a hockey player
1: and um <laughs> his brother was just, on the team for a minute that was cool cool moment that
0: was cool they got to play together that we were we were campaigning for that for a while
1: he that was, took that was a really fun thing. Fifty
0: though. shots all season long, and he ended up with four goals on those fifty shots. So about an eight percent rate. That's not great, I, admittedly, but that's not a lot of shots. Yeah, like this guy, if he takes a shot, it's it's a wire. So I, I just if he could get into a position to shoot more pucks, I'd love to see that too. But that's a, that's me nitpicking.
1: No, uh, yeah, no. I mean, obviously, I agree.
0: All right, uh, that'll wrap it up then. Thanks for making Locked On uh, Red Wings your first team every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Save the date on everything in the hockey world. Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. Uh, you got any final thoughts, Scotty? Any, anything you need to share? Um, we ball. All right, we absolutely ball. Uh, we'll be back on Friday to finish out the week. Haven't really figured out what we're talking about yet. Might fit a little World Juniors in there as that finished out. And Carter Mazer, just, oh, I can't, can't talk enough about how great he was before Team USA got eliminated in the quarterfinals. But we don't got to talk about that part. <laughs> uh, Donovan Sobrango is a gold medalist. There we go. True. Back. So we'll be back on Friday.
1: Costa.
0: And Cosa Same time, same place. See your team.
1: Every, every day. day.
0: But online.